Hello, I'm Rob, and welcome to this week's edition of the Black Country Talking News for the 9th of November 2022. Hello and welcome to the Black Country Talking News, brought to you by the Cyclos charity Beacons. We are pleased to confirm that the Talking News is now available via Alexa. Once you've enabled the Talking Newspaper skill, all you need to do is play Talking Newspapers and ask for the Black Country Talking News. Our Talking News service is also available via the free Wireless for the Blind app. It can be found on the Beacon Centre website www.beaconvision.org forward slash talking hyphen news. As a podcast via services such as Apple or Spotify or as a free CD, simply contact Beacon Centre on 01902 880 We hope you enjoy this week's edition. Reading this week, we have myself Rob, Christine, Angela, Liz, Helen, Pete, Mina, Simon, and of course, not forgetting, Flashback Roger. In this week's edition, there's some local news in the Black Country, an update from Beacon, information about supported living at Beacon Court, the quiz with Mina, news from West Bromwich Albion and Wolves, a Did You Know section from Flashback Roger, the weather, and to round us off, a stop press section from Beacon, including some dates for your diary. Local news to start, however, with Liz. Christine, myself Rob, but first, it's Angela. A Black Country MP has been appointed as a government whip. Dudley South MP Mike Wood has been announced as an assistant whip in Prime Minister Rishi Sunak's new administration. He will serve alongside Wolverhampton South West MP Stuart Anderson, who has held the role since July. Mr Wood, who has represented Dudley South since 2015, said, I'm really pleased to be entering the Whip's office and to be able to play a small part in delivering on the manifesto that so many people across Dudley South and the Black Country voted for in 2019. We've had a tough time with Covid and we've got tough times ahead with a challenging global economy. It is really important that come the next election, people see that we've done what we said we were going to do. Mr Wood supported Mr Sunak during the summer Tory leadership contest and backed him again ahead of his entrance to number 10 last week. His role in the Whip's office will see him serve under Wolverhampton-born Chief Whip Simon Hart. He will be tasked with ensuring party discipline is maintained. Rishi Sunak must press ahead with investment zones if he is serious about levelling up, the West Midlands mayor has said. The zones, which were launched by Liz Truss during her fleeting administration, have been placed under review by levelling up Secretary Michael Gove over environmental concerns. The decision has sparked concerns among political leaders in the West Midlands who submitted bids for several investment zones, including four in the Black Country and one in Staffordshire. Under the scheme, specified areas would benefit from low taxes for businesses and relaxed planning laws in a bid to drive growth. West Midlands Mayor Andy Street has described the zones as being vital to the region's economy, 
he has called on Mr Sunak to make them a key component of his levelling up agenda. Mr Street said, even if the government decides to change the national strategy, we would still advocate for investment zones via our trailblazer devolution deal negotiations with government. Such is our belief in their transformative power. The trailblazer devolution deal, which was negotiated with Boris Johnson and backed by Liz Truss, would see the region given greater powers over areas including housing and post-16 education. Asked if the zones were going ahead, Mr Gove said, I'm reviewing them. We need to make sure that any change that we make is one which, of course, helps to support economic growth and good jobs for people, but also one of the concerns raised about investment zones was the impact on the environment. I've been very clear, and the Prime Minister has been very clear, that under no circumstances will we weaken environmental protections. Plans have finally been approved to redevelop a long-standing eyesore site in Wolverhampton, which has been dubbed a blight on the city. After submitting an application in June, BZ Property Holdings has secured full planning permission for its £30 million redevelopment of the former eye infirmary in Chapel Ash. It means work can now begin to transform the long-abandoned site into 75 new apartments, an eating disorder unit and a special education needs school. The former eye infirmary, which is home to three locally listed buildings, was left abandoned by the NHS in 2007 and BZ Property Holdings believes that spades could be in the ground from as early as January. Managing Director Zed Ahmed said, We are extremely grateful to all the people who have supported and worked with us to reach this significant milestone. It has been a very difficult, challenging and exhausting past three years where we have had to face sleepless nights and overcome many obstacles. Today is a day of happiness, a day to rejoice and a day to truly be grateful. We are all really proud that we can play a part in creating a brighter future for the city of Wolverhampton. Mr Ahmed added, These iconic buildings that form an important part of the heritage in Wolverhampton were just left to sit empty and vacant for so long, inevitably attracting vandalism and creating an eyesore in the community. In 2013 and 2019, when the site was still owned by the NHS, there were fires that damaged the 1888 tower block. Only in 2018 did the council issue a Section 215 notice to the NHS, which led to a very costly court battle between the two. We now have full support of the Wolverhampton Council, and look forward to making the site look impressive, assisting in job creation for local residents and enhance the area as a whole. The next stage of plans to demolish and replace 93 Wolverhampton prefabs is underway. Residents will now be consulted on what their housing needs are as the plans move ahead. The council-owned prefabs in the Lincoln Green Estate in Bushbury, which date back to 1946, were the first homes identified to be replaced as a part of a multi-million pound regeneration programme by Wolverhampton Council. 
Following initial consultations, the council is currently undertaking the second phase of bespoke tenant engagement to understand the housing needs of those affected. Many residents stated they enjoyed living in their properties and rubbish claims they were outdated, while others understood the need for the work and were looking forward to a fresh start. A Wolverhampton Council spokesperson said, The initial round of resident engagements for those living in prefab properties was completed in August 2022. Wolverhampton Homes is currently undertaking a second phase of bespoke tenant engagements to understand the individual housing needs and requirements. The intention of the initial engagement was to inform residents of the regeneration proposals aimed at addressing the poor quality, low energy performing prefab condition and to gather individual household information. Dates for the work are yet to be decided. However, it has previously been stated work is hoped to start in 2023. Prefabs were a major part of the delivery plan to address the United Kingdom's post-Second World War housing shortage. They were envisaged by wartime Prime Minister Winston Churchill in March 1944 and legally outlined in the Housing Act 1944. Up next, we hear from Helen, who of course has for us the Beacon Update. Hi everyone, it's Helen, back with your Beacon Update. Now, you may have heard me talking about, yep, you've got it, Christmas a couple of times in recent weeks and well, now that it's November, I am pretty much in full festive mode, so it seems like the perfect time to give you some dates for your diary. We've got some fantastic festive events coming up over the next few weeks. On December the 4th is our Santa Run at Wolverhampton's West Park. It's one of our most favourite events of the year and we can't wait for the park to be filled with Santas once again. New for 2022, we've also got Santa's Grotto. All children who stop by to see the main man himself will get a small gift. On December the 8th, we've got our beautiful forget-me-not tree service in memory of all our loved ones, gone but never forgotten. It's always such a special occasion for us here at Beacon. And then on December the 13th, 14th, 15th, 20th, 21st and 22nd, we're hosting our community Christmas lunches. It's a chance to come together with family and friends to enjoy the festive season over a delicious three-course meal. There's something for everyone and we'd love for you to join us. To find out more and prices for events, you can call us on 01902-880-111, email inquiries at beaconvision.org or you can head to our website www.beaconvision.org. Also this week, we have been saying a very special thank you and good luck to some incredible fundraisers who have just set out on a trek to Everest Base Camp in aid of a Beacon Centre and two other charities. The team is hoping to break down barriers with four of those taking part having a visual impairment themselves. What an amazing fundraiser. If you have your own fundraising idea, why not get in touch? You can call us on 01902 880 Lastly this week, if you're looking for work, wanting to improve your skills or just considering your next career move, the Beacon Centre and the Building Better Opportunities Evolve project can help. If you're over 16, live in Cannock, Litchfield, Tamworth or East Staffordshire, 
we can provide you with a free tailored support that makes a difference for you. Get in touch via email at inquiries at beaconvision.org or by calling 01902 880111 and start your journey today. The Building Better Opportunities Evolve project is funded by the European Social Fund and the National Lottery Community Fund. That's it for this week. I'll be back to catch up with you all again soon. Bye-bye. Cheers that update, Helen. Up now, we're our next block of local news. And starting this one off, we first hear Christine. Wolverhampton Council has shared its sadness as it was announced the city's lighthouse cinema would cease to trade. The authority revealed that over the last decade, it has been the venue's biggest single financial backer, providing £330,000 of funding support, but the current debt levels were unsustainable. The news comes after a staff member made the announcement on social media. All of the planned listings have been removed from the venue's website. The lighthouse based in the Chubb buildings in the city centre, is the Black Country's only independent cinema, a registered charity offering film and cultural events. The council confirmed it was urgently reaching out to the commercial landlords, the company that owns the Lighthouse Cafe space, to discuss the current situation. The venue has been there since 1991, but has faced a battle to keep going in recent years. A council spokesman said, It's very sad to see that the lighthouse, a key part of the city's cultural offering for years, has ceased to trade. The council has always been committed to supporting the lighthouse and over the last decade has probably been its biggest single financial backer, providing some £333,000 of funding support to help the owners sustain their business. Council officers met with the venue's management team a fortnight ago to offer additional help. This included a business review, marketing support and providing connections to grant funding opportunities. Unfortunately, though, it seems that the venue's debt levels were unsustainable, resulting in the very sad situation we find ourselves in today. We are now urgently reaching out to the Lighthouse's commercial landlords, the company that owns the Lighthouse Cafe space, to discuss the current situation and their potential future plans. People can now book their appointment at a pop-up tip in Dudley, following the tremendous success of the first one. The booking system for the facility at Lister Road on November 19th is now live. The scheme has been extended to allow mattresses and furniture following the success of the launch earlier this month, with more than 40 extra slots added. Council bosses have asked people to make sure they cancel their booking if they no longer need it on the day, after more than 70 people failed to show up for their appointment on the first session. Councillor Shaz Salim, Cabinet Member for Highways and Public Realm, said, The first pop-up was a tremendous success, with more than 200 people coming through the gates to dispose of their household waste. We extended the next one to take more items after listening to local people about how we can improve. We had a few issues with people not turning up, which is very unfair to those people who really need an appointment. I'd simply ask people if they no longer need their slot, just cancel it so that we can get the most out of this fantastic facility. 
The pop-up service will run on the third Saturday of every month from 8am to 3.30pm. Oils and hazardous waste will not be accepted. Visitors need to book their trip in advance at dudley.gov.uk. Revised plans have been submitted for a major housing scheme at a Victorian factory in Wolverhampton. Planning permission was granted in May for a scheme for 48 apartments at the Eagle Works on the corner of Great Brick Kiln Street and Alexandra Street. Now the developers have returned with a revised set of plans featuring a new parking layout, changes to landscaping and altered room dimensions. Under the scheme, a three-storey extension will be added to the rear of the main building. Existing extensions will be demolished and the existing asbestos-sheeted roof will be stripped off and replaced with a new cement fibre slate roof. Once complete, the former bicycle factory, built more than a century ago, will feature a mixture of one- and two-bedroom flats for a maximum occupancy of 130 people. There was a celebratory feeling in the air as a community radio station officially celebrated the opening of its studios. Black Country Radio invited leaders from across the community to join its staff and volunteers at the station studios at Resonance on the waterfront at Brearley Hill and celebrate the official opening of the new studios. The station had moved into the Resonance campus at the start of 2021, but had been unable to mark the move from the older studios due to restrictions around COVID. The event at Resonance saw speeches by station chairman Keith Horsfall, who thanked the staff and volunteers for all their hard work and spoke of the importance of community radio, and from West Midlands Mayor Andy Street, who also officially unveiled the plaque alongside Dudley Mayor Sue Greenaway. Mr Street was also interviewed live on the air by Drive Time host Hannah Oodle, while guests in attendance who came from community groups, business organisations and other groups working with Black Country Radio were able to tour the two live digital broadcasting studios and two production studios. Keith Horsfall said the event was an acknowledgement of all the hard work by staff and volunteers over the eight years of the station and reward for all the challenges over that time. He said, We've been through five moves, a robbery, all the challenges and problems of COVID and a lot more besides, but we've got through it and we're here with the new studios officially opened. I have huge pride in leading this fantastic organisation, but it's really all about the 120 volunteers that make it happen, whether it's me as chair or the person making the tea. We are a community radio station run by the community for the community, and we've got some wonderful talent, so the future is bright for us. Now it's time to test your knowledge, as we have the quiz questions for this edition, and they're brought to us by Mina. Hello and welcome to this week's Flashback Quiz. All the answers you need can be found later in Flashback Rogers' Did You Know feature. But for now, here are your questions. Are you ready? Question 1. How many silk poppies were sold on the first poppy day? 
Question 2. How is the British Legion keeping up with the times? Question 3. What does etiquette say about the leaf on a remembrance poppy? Question 4. Where in the country is the poppy factory? Question 5. In what year was Remembrance Day moved to a Sunday? And finally, question 6. Where was the first Armistice Day held? As always, I'll be back to reveal the answers later in the show. But for now, good luck. Just those questions, Mina. I'll get my mind working on those. Up now, however, it's another block of local news. The first act for Wolverhampton Civic Halls when it finally reopens next year has been announced. Gabrielle will perform at the venue, now known as the Civic at the Halls, Wolverhampton, on October 28th, 2023, following her 30 years of dreaming tour. It marks the first announcement of gigs at the venue, although it is understood the first shows will take place in June, following test events being held. By that stage, the refurb will have taken the best part of eight years and cost almost £50 million, five times the original budget when it first closed in 2015. Bosses say the reopening will see world-class artists return to the 84-year-old Grade 2 listed venue, which will feature more comfortable seats, extra bars and improved toilet facilities and ventilation. Wolverhampton Council is set to hand the keys to the Civic to AEG Presents on November 21st, when the promoter will start work on completing the final renovations to the front of house bars, kitchen and sound and light system. Council leader Ian Brookfield said the reopened venue would help shape the city centre by creating jobs and boosting local businesses. It was revealed earlier this year the cost of the revamp had gone up £5 million to £48 million, with Wolverhampton Council saying it was continuing to take legal advice to protect its position over the work. The project has been dogged by a series of setbacks including the discovery of asbestos inside the building and the original contractor going bust. Stourbridge-born AEG Presents CEO Steve Homer said music stars Robert Plant and Beverly Knight will be sounded out about playing the Wolverhampton Civic Hall when it reopens. Gabrielle shot to fame in 1993 with her debut single Dreams and has other hits including Should I Stay, Going Nowhere, Give Me a Little More Time and If You Ever, a duet with East Seventeen. A cascade of red poppies flowing down the walls of Dudley Castle has been put on show in the lead-up to Remembrance Day commemorations. This temporary art installation contains more than 350 poppies made from recycled plastic to remember fallen war heroes and will be on show until the end of November. The memorial has been organised by local community group Dudley Remembers and this year it is also dedicated to the late Queen Elizabeth II as its patron of the Royal British Legion. There will also be a poppy walk in Dudley's Coronation Gardens. Schools, community groups and faith groups were asked to make their own poppies and they will be hung around hedgerows and trees at Coronation Gardens surrounding the Cenotaph. Rose Cookmonk, poppy organiser for Dudley Town Centre, said we will start that on November 7th so all would be in place for Armistice Day and Remembrance Sunday. The poppy walk is raising awareness with the younger generation about what the poppies stand for. 
We asked schools, community groups and faith groups to make their own poppies and we will hang them around the hedgerows and trees all around the cenotaph. Organisations across the Black Country will receive £11.5 million as part of levelling up plans for the arts, it has been announced. The Arts Council funding, spread over the next three years, will be split between a dozen venues and groups in a bid to open up arts and culture to more people. The Black Country Living Museum in Dudley is to get £760,000 a year and Walsall's new art gallery will receive £938,000 annually. In Wolverhampton, New Hampton Arts Centre will get £251,000. The City's Art Gallery gets £270,842 and there's £112,000 for the Arena Theatre. Black Country Touring is to receive £307,225 annually, while fellow Sandwell-based community arts charity Multistory gets £243,361. Five organisations have been brought on board for the first time. Bilston-based Gazebo Theatre, which will get £200,000, and West Bromwich-based community group powered by CAN, which is getting £250,000 a year. Wolverhampton-based Jayvant Patel Dance is getting £195,000 a year. Spectra Arts in Smethwick will get £120,000 and Sandwell's The People's Orchestra will receive £200,000. Arts Council Chief Executive Darren Henley said the cash would help the black country flourish in challenging times. The Arts Council said the annual funding of £3.8 million represents an average increase of 116%. Nationally, organisations based in 78 towns and cities will receive a share of £130 million by 2026. An investigation has been launched after a shut-down care home reopened as a no-frills hotel without a council's permission. The former Castle Meadows Nursing Home on Dibdale Road, Dudley, is now being advertised on a number of websites as either a £48 a night hotel, a hostel or a guest house. Dudley Council says it has opened an investigation due to no planning application being received for the required change of use from a care home to a hotel. Officers from the authority were unable to gain entry to the building on a recent site visit. Dudley North MP Marco Longhi said he had been contacted by numerous people who were deeply concerned over what the building was being used for. The site is under the ownership of Castle Meadows Dudley Limited with Intercare Group Limited, which ran the nursing home. St James's Ward Councillor Catherine Baton said there appeared to be more than five rooms occupied when she visited the site and that furniture and frames from the care home were still visible. Whatever is going on there, it is clear there has not been a proper refurbishment, she said. 
No planning application has been received for a change of use, which is why a planning enforcement investigation has been started. We will keep residents up to date with what is going on with the building as soon as we know more. Councillor Simon Phipps, Cabinet Member for Planning, said, We have been made aware of this issue and are carrying out a thorough investigation. We will take any appropriate action, if necessary, once that investigation is complete. More local news to follow, but now we have some information on apartments and living at Beacon. And with the details, we have Christine. If you're thinking of moving home, two-bedroom supported living apartments, especially designed for people with sight loss, are available at Beacon with Bromford Housing. Bromford work in partnership with Beacon and Beacon Court, located in Sedgley, is just a short distance from Wolverhampton city centre with luscious parks, local shops and public transport links right on its doorstep offering you comfort, security and convenience alongside independent living and a wide variety of choices. Each home has its own front door opening onto a wide corridor. Every apartment door has an individual access card or bracelet and there is also 24-hour CCTV around the external building and internal communal areas. There's a pool court in each apartment a 24-7 care team on-site 365 days a year, offering care packages and availability in the case of emergencies and 30 minutes a week of wellbeing time for help with post, finances or any other support you may need. Additional wellbeing packages are also available. All two-bedroom retirement apartments are gas centrally heated with UPVC double glazing, a central reception hall, cloak store, kitchen with appliances, a lounge, two generous bedrooms, a wet stroke shower room and a door to the central landscaped garden. If you feel the time is right for a new start with a new home, application forms are available from the reception desk at Beacon Court, Charles Haywood Drive, WV4 6GA. Or to request an application or to view an apartment, please contact Shireen Collymore on 01902 882170 or email Shireen, that's spelt C-H-A-R-E-N-N-E dot Collymore at bromford.co.uk. Coming up next on this week's edition of the Black Country Talking News, we have another block of local news. And starting this one off, we first hear from Liz. The Wildlife Photographer of the Year exhibition, which is on loan from London's Natural History Museum, has opened at Wolverhampton Art Gallery. It showcases the winners and nominees of this year's competition, recognising the best of nature photography across the world. This year's honoured photographs depict nature in all its glory, from its most beautiful to its most cruel sights. One of the most extraordinary images in the whole collection is Nadakis's passing by Brent Sturton. This heart-stopping photo shares the closing chapter of the story of a much-loved mountain gorilla. Another standout of the collection is of a snow-covered deer in Richmond Park. 
The red deer stag is utterly striking in contrast to the white flurries of snow dancing around him. On the more horrifying side of nature's spectrum is the bat snatcher by Mexican photographer Fernando Constantino Martinez Belmar. Another extraordinary image is Polar Frame by Dimitri Koch, which was highly commended in the category of animal portraits. This otherworldly photo captures a polar bear taking over an abandoned settlement, which had been deserted since the breakup of the USSR in the early 1990s. However, the overall winner of this year's competition was Corinne Aigner for her photo, The Big Buzz, Corinne capturing a ball of male cactus bees. To marvel at these awe-inspiring photos in real life, visit the Wildlife Photographer of the Year exhibition, which is at Wolverhampton Art Gallery until Christmas Eve. The gallery is open from 10.30am to 4.30pm on weekdays and Saturdays and 11am to 4pm on Sundays. Tickets are £5.50 for adults and £3.50 for children, plus a booking fee. Children under three go for free. A family ticket for up to five people, must include one child, is £14.50 plus booking fee. The swimming pool at Hales Owen Leisure Centre has reopened as the last piece in the jigsaw of a multi-million pound revamp. Contractors completed the final phase of the works and swimmers have been welcomed back to the leisure centre. The centre's transformation also includes a new changing village, high-spec gym, soft play area, cafe and a wellness suite with power-assisted gym equipment. Councillor Simon Phipps, Cabinet Member for Regeneration and Enterprise, said... While the delays have been immensely frustrating for everyone, I am really pleased that we are finally in a position to get the pool back open again. We've had fantastic feedback from centre users on the other elements of the project and I know many customers can't wait to get back in the pool, myself included. It is the last piece in the jigsaw of a major revamp which has transformed the facility inside and out. Along with the new £18 million Duncan Edwards Leisure Centre in Dudley and improvements at Crystal in Stourbridge, it represents the biggest investment in leisure services the borough has seen for decades. For information on opening times, activities, classes and memberships at the three borough leisure centres, go to dbleisure.co.uk. Thousands will descend on Wolverhampton to see Welsh darts ace Gerwin Price defend his championship title when the annual Kazoo Grand Slam of Darts returns to its spiritual home. Hosted by the city since 2007, the event, which is televised globally, will again be held at Aldersley Leisure Village, running from Saturday November 12th to Sunday November 20th. Championship player Price, nicknamed the Iceman, won his third Grand Slam of Darts title at the venue last year by beating Peter Wright 16-8 in the final. The tournament, organised by the Professional Darts Corporation, has become synonymous with Wolverhampton since the city hosted the inaugural event in 2007, attracting thousands of visitors from across the world, 
bringing over £500,000 into the local economy and providing global media coverage. Also, the Aldersley venue has proved popular with darts fans since the event moved from the Civic Halls in 2018 to make way for the current refurbishment programme. It is anticipated that the Grand Slam will return to the Civic following its reopening in June next year. The PDC is already in negotiations with upcoming Civic Halls operators AEG Presents to return in November 2023. PDC Chief Executive Matthew Porter said, November is always one of the most exciting months on our calendar and this year it's shaping up to be better than ever. We're looking forward to returning to Wolverhampton, the spiritual home of the Grand Slam of Darts, before heading to Minehead for the players' last tilt at TV Glory before the World's Championships. A new church-run project is helping people with dementia by showing nostalgic films to stimulate happy memories from the past. Dudley Mayor Sue Greenaway visited All Saints Church in Sedgley to see its new Reeling in the Years project in action. The project helps to fight dementia by inviting people to watch movies from the 1950s, 1960s and 1970s which will invoke nostalgic feelings. Screenings will initially be held monthly and there is no charge to attend. Films planned over the next few months include those starring Norman Wisdom, Singing in the Rain and The Wizard of Oz. There will also be tea and cake available and those attending will be encouraged to chat to each other. It is hoped that the project will move to be weekly if successful. Church Treasurer John Anderson said, It's an opportunity to come and see a film, have a cup of tea and it's all for free. Our next screening will be on December the 15th at 2pm. We will try and pick something Christmas related to show people. Reeling in the Years has been sponsored by the discovery of dormant funds in the Sedgley Combined Charities, a charity set up in 1938 bringing together a number of charities, some established in the 18th century, initially to provide poor law relief. The trustees considered that Reeling in the Years was an appropriate use of the funds. The scheme has also been funded with money from Dudley Council's community forums, which contributed £5,000 toward audiovisual equipment, and ASDA, which gave £15,000 towards the refurbishment of the hall. The BFI Film Audience Network, the UK Cinema Association and the Alzheimer's Society have developed a dementia-friendly screening guide that will be used as the basis for choosing films to show. Up now, it's trivia time, brought to us by Flashback Roger and his Did You Know feature. Hello again everyone. Well here we are again just a few days away from Remembrance Sunday and this year is particularly poignant as we remember the loss of our Queen Elizabeth who touched all of our hearts. I'm sure she was much loved and missed by the nation. Did you know that? The British Legion was formed in 1921 and ordered 9 million silk versions of the flowers which were sold on November the 11th that year. It was the first ever poppy appeal, which raised £106,000, a significant amount of money for the time, and that works out to be over £5.3 million in today's money. 
On average, the poppy appeal raises £50 million annually, mostly in cash. But the British Legion is trying to keep up with the times and has asked the public to donate online or by using contactless payments where it's available or when offered. And if you wear a poppy, it really doesn't matter if you wear it on the right or the left. However, etiquette has it that the leaf should be set at the 11 o'clock position to signify the hour that the guns of World War I fell silent. Incidentally, all the parts of your poppy can be recycled. Collection points should be within any Sainsbury's shop. The poppy factory is situated in Richmond, Surrey and is manned by disabled military veterans as it has been since its creation in 1921 in London and since 1926 in Richmond. Each year over 11 million poppies are made, 135,000 wreaths and 1.1 million remembrance symbols. The British Legion provides every sort of support to ex-service personnel from employment to housing and counselling for any aspect of help that's needed. Originally, Poppy Day was called Armistice Day and was always on the 11th of November, the day World War I ceased. In Britain, beginning in 1939, the two-minute silence was moved to the Sunday nearest to the 11th of November in order not to interfere with wartime production should 11th of November fall on a weekday. And so this became Remembrance Sunday. The very first Armistice Day was held at Buckingham Palace on the 10th of November 1919, commencing with King George V hosting a banquet of honour for the President of the French Republic. The first official Armistice Day events were subsequently held in the grounds of Buckingham Palace on the morning of the 11th of November 1919, which included the first two-minute silence as a mark of respect. Well then, Whatever the day is called, it's a fairly solemn time, but nevertheless, it's a very important date for us all to bear in mind, I think. It always makes me remember when I was about ten, and I stood with my scout troop with cold drizzle on my little legs for the service in the war memorial, and wishing I was somewhere warm. In road up, I'm off now, and I'll just say bye for now. So till next week then, ta-ra a bit, ta-ra! now, we have to hear what the weather has in store for us. Brought to us as always by Mina. The weather for this week ahead is cloudy but dry for the weekend and beginning of the week with rain expected later in the week. Temperatures will be typically hovering around 14 to 15 degrees for the weekend and beginning for the week but dropping to 10 degrees by the end of the week. UV levels are expected to be low throughout the week. The sunrise and sunset times are 7.21am for the sunrise and the start of the week 16.13pm for the sunset by the end of the week. For Friday 11th of November we have light cloud and a gentle breeze with a maximum temperature of 14 degrees. Moving on to the weekend, Saturday 12th November, we have light cloud and a gentle breeze with a maximum temperature of 15 degrees. On Sunday 13th of November, we have light cloud and a gentle breeze with a maximum temperature of 14 degrees. For Monday 
14th and Tuesday 15th of November we have light cloud and a gentle breeze with a maximum temperature of 12 degrees. For Wednesday 16th and Thursday 17th of November it's light rain and a gentle breeze with a maximum temperature of 11 degrees and dropping down to 10 degrees on Thursday. So that's your forecast for this week. As always, enjoy the weather. Cheers for that weather update, Mina. Up now, it's time to find out how our local football teams have been getting on. Kyle Bartley's thumping header sunk QPR and made it successive Albion wins for the first time since May, as Carlos Corbran's recovery clicked into gear. The defender, often maligned, and villain of the piece, with a late red card in the previous away game at Millwall, rose to power home a downward header to earn Corbran's men the win in a hard-fought, determined and satisfying victory in West London. Not since the final two fixtures of last season, when there was little meaning to things against Reading and Barnsley, have Albion managed to string together back-to-back victories. The success in the capital may still leave them 22nd in the table and in the bottom three, but Albion are now just a single point adrift of safety and appear to be heading in the right direction under the new boss. A booming away end chanted Kyle Bartley Ballon d'Or at Loftus Road as the unlikely hero crashed home the winner from what feels like Albion's first set-piece goal in months. The victory also made it back-to-back clean sheets, which have been so hard to come across this season under former boss Steve Bruce. Visiting fans departed into the London night going through a rendition of chance after a fantastic victory against the side who started the day fourth in the championship. It was not a pretty 95 minutes or a thrilling encounter, but it matters not when the Baggies have often this season took nothing from games in which they have played well and created chance after chance. Instead, after an impressive first 20 minutes from the visitors, QPR were on top for much of the contest, but Albion, with Bartley and Darwin O'Shea rock solid at the back, rode a few storms to claim the win. It is more satisfying that Albion head back up the black country with the spoils, having not turned out the most stylish and eye-catching performance. It bodes well moving forward. The Baggies next welcome Stoke to the Hawthorns this Saturday. Wolves suffered heartbreak at home to Brighton as a late Pascal Gross strike condemned them to another defeat. In a frantic first half, Adam Lallana curled home an opener for the visitors to put them ahead after 10 minutes. Concarlo Guardes responded just two minutes later with his first goal in Wolves' colours before VAR handed Wolves a penalty and Ruben Nevers dispatched it to give them the lead, making it the first time Wolves have scored two goals in a Premier League game since May. However, as the game neared half-time, Nelson Semedo fell asleep at the back post to allow Kauro Mitoma to head home an equaliser. Then, just minutes before the break, Semedo dragged Mitoma to the ground as a last man and was handed a straight red card. Despite the numerical disadvantage, Wolves did well to battle in the second half and create some chances of their own. Until a late Brighton winner, Gross capitalised on some chaotic Wolves defending to finish from inside the box. In other news, Wolves have appointed Julien Lopetegui as their new head coach. After missing out on his signing last month due to his father's illness, the 56-year-old reignited talks late last week and the club have now announced his arrival, making him the first Spaniard to manage the club. The former Spain, Real Madrid and Sevilla boss 
will take charge after the fixture with Arsenal on November 12th, meaning he will not lead the team in any games before the World Cup break. Interim boss Steve Davis remains in charge for the remaining two games, starting against Leeds, while Lopentegui will officially start his role on Monday, November 14th. Have you done any good at the quiz this week? Well, now's the time to find out, as we have the quiz answers. Hello, and here are your answers for this week's flashback quiz. Are you ready? Question 1. How many silk poppies were sold on the first poppy day? And the answer, 9 million. Question 2. How is the British Legion keeping up with the times? And the answer, by accepting contactless payments. Question 3. What does etiquette say about the leaf of a remembrance poppy? The answer here is, it should be placed at 11 o'clock position before the flower. Question 4. Where in the country is the poppy factory? And the answer here is Richmond, Surrey. Question 5. In what year was Remembrance Day moved to a Sunday? And the answer here is 1939. And finally, question 6. Where was the first Armistice Day held? And the answer, Buckingham Palace. How did you do? Hands up who got them all right. If not, there's always another chance to have a go next week. Bye for now. Thanks very much for that, Mina. And now, hold the presses. We'll stop press section from Beacon, including some dates for your diary. Now here are a few little notes and reminders about our Sedgley and Starbridge Lifestyle Centres. Our Sedgley Centre is open Tuesdays, Wednesdays and Thursdays, 10am to 3pm. We also have monthly coffee mornings. We do fun activities such as pottery, sewing, arts and crafts, quizzes and much more besides. Why not contact Kim or Sally for more information? We can't wait to meet you. Just call 01902 880111 and our Starbridge Centre is open Tuesdays 10am to 3pm and Thursday 9am to 2pm. Why not join us? We'd love to see you. Contact Dawn for more information. Simply call 01902 880111 and don't forget Beacon can provide transport to and from both centres if required. Beacon VIP Group. We're a group of working aged people and or people who live independently with sight loss that meet once a month for a social gathering. We are a friendly bunch that like to try new activities, build friendships and encourage others to live life to the full. November is a double whammy for the VIP Group as we have two activities booked for you. On Wednesday 23rd November, 6pm to 8pm, we have a first aid awareness session tailored especially for the Beacon VIP members. Topics covered include the recovery position, bleeds, strokes, shock, primary survey, patient care and communication and CPR. Limited spaces. 
To book, call 01902-880-111. Next up, on Wednesday the 30th of November from 2pm to 4pm, we have a bell ringing concert. Come along to a bell ringing concert in the coffee bar at the Beacon Centre. Enjoy a variety of songs, tunes and Christmas carols. You even get the opportunity to have a go at playing the bells yourself. This is a free concert and all the musicians are volunteers. There will be a collection for the group during the afternoon. Book your space now, friends and family welcome. Call 01902 880 Well, I guess it's that time of year again where you may be thinking about next year's calendars and diaries. Well, Beacon are now taking orders for 2023 large print calendars and diaries. So they range, well, the diaries range from a six size sort of pocket diaries right the way through to A4 diaries. And there's even an A4 jumbo diary with extra pages in, so a bit more space. Nice and clear, big and bold text, so easier to see. There are also 2023 calendars available now. A3 portrait calendars and A3 landscape calendars too. So if you would like to order your 2023 large print calendars and diaries for next year, Beacon are now taking orders. So give us a call on 01902 880 and ask for a site loss advisor. That's 01902 880 Do you live in Wolverhampton? If so, we'd really appreciate a few minutes of your time to help shape services in the city in return for a donation to Beacon. The City of Wolverhampton Council is currently running an online lifestyle survey to better inform services offered in the area. It takes around five to ten minutes to complete and is all done anonymously. And for every survey completed, the council is making a donation to a local charity. To ensure Beacon benefits, all you need to do is select the Beacon Centre as the charity you would like to receive funding in the final question. It's a chance to help shape services locally while making a difference here at Beacon and we'd so appreciate your time. You can access the survey via the following link www.wolverhampton.gov.uk forward slash lifestyle survey. That's www.wolverhampton.gov.uk forward slash lifestyle survey. If you've got any problems filling it out though, please ask one of our team and they'd be sure to help you. You can also, if you'd like, share this with family or friends that you know who live in Wolverhampton who might be willing to complete it on behalf of Beacon. We'd so appreciate your support. (laughs) 
So that's it for another edition of the Black Country Talking News. A reminder to our CD listeners who have received CDs in padded envelopes that you don't need to send anything back to us. If you have a sight loss tip or someone you would like to wish a happy birthday to, just say hello to. Maybe even a poem or talking book you would like reviewed, then please get in touch with us at the Beacon Centre. Call 01902 880 Email bctn at beaconvision.org or write to us at the Black Country Talking News, Beacon, Wolverhampton Road East, Wolverhampton, WV4 6AZ. We look forward to hearing from you. Thank you for listening and thank you to all our supporters, donators and volunteers who without their support will be unable to run this free service. Please note the information and views expressed in this recording does not necessarily represent the views of Beacon or Talking News and were accurate at the time of recording. Mentions of goods and services does not imply endorsement and whilst every care is taken to supply accurate information, Beacon and Talking News do not undertake liability for any errors. So it's goodbye from all of us. Stay safe, have a good week and we look forward to bringing you next week's edition of the Black Country Talking News. Ta-ra!